Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This episode includes discussions of topics that may be upsetting and triggering for some listeners. This episode contains graphic details of murder, violence against the LGBTQ community, and violence against children. In 2017, in upstate New York, a family was savagely murdered the day after Christmas. The two adult women were Brandy Mells and her partner Shanta Myers. Shanta's children, Shanice and Jeremiah, were also brutally murdered during what police determined was a targeted burglary and robbery. Why was this family targeted, and who was responsible for these vicious and brutal murders? I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library. Let's examine the tragic slayings of Brandy Mells and Shanta, Shanice, and Jeremiah Myers. Brandy Mills was originally from Newark, New Jersey, but she moved to upstate New York when she was a teenager. During this time, she lived with her mother in a city named Troy, and while she was living with her mother, she met Shanta Myers. When they met, Shanta already had three kids, two boys and a girl. Her eldest son was named Isaiah Smith, her middle child was named Jeremiah, or J.J. Myers, and her daughter was named Shanice Myers. Shanta's family knew her as a good-natured and sweet woman, so it made sense that she would fall in love with Brandy, a woman who was down-to-earth and had the biggest heart. Brandy and Shanta seemed to fit perfectly together. They became an instant family. Even though Shanice, Isaiah, and Jeremiah were not biologically Brandy's, that didn't make the four of them any less of a family. Brandy was invited to Shanta's family cookouts, and she often showed off Shanice, Isaiah, and Jeremiah to her friends and family. At cookouts, Shanta was known for her cooking. According to her sister, Shakira Symes, Shanta always brought one of the biggest dishes to family functions, and you could find her frying up empanadas for the family. And although Shanta loved to be included in events and cook big meals for her family, her sister noticed that over the last year she had grown distant. To Shakira, Shanta had begun to isolate herself after she got into a relationship with Brandy. Shanta's children, Shanice, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, seemed to be thriving. Shanice, who was only five years old, was a sweet girl with a big personality. And very much like her mother, she loved to take care of other people. One time, when Shanice met Brandy's family and friends, Shanice tried to help feed Brandy's close friend's two-year-old daughter, which reminds me a lot of Shanta. 
so it's clear that Shanice was a helpful and caring child. Jeremiah, or JJ, who was only 11 years old, spent a lot of his time in after-school programs at the Boys and Girls Club in Troy. And his love for basketball landed him on the basketball team. And Isaiah, who was 15 years old, was excited to explore his independence while he was away at a retreat during his winter break. Brandy and Shanta had created this blended family that was thriving and happy. Their extended families were even meshing well, and they had made plans to spend Christmas together. They decided to visit Shanta's sister Shakira on Christmas Day, but they never showed up. It was the day after Christmas, and Shakira still hadn't heard from her sister Shanta. Shanta would never miss a Christmas with her family, and earlier that week, Shakira was expecting a call from her nephew Jeremiah because he usually called her to chat whenever he didn't have school. With Shanta missing plans to spend Christmas together and not hearing from her nephew, Shakira began to worry. Shanta's family makes call after call, but every time it eventually reaches voicemail. Something about all of this fell off. So a relative of Shanta, it's unclear if that relative was Shakira or not, they made a call to Shanta's property manager. They tell the property manager how they couldn't get a hold of Shanta or Brandy, so the property manager agreed to check on the family. I'm sure their families were never expecting that anything sinister had happened to them. After all, Shanta and Brandy weren't the types to get themselves into trouble or find themselves in the wrong company. Who could possibly want to harm two sweet, innocent women? Plus, Brandy's cousin had spoken with her recently and everything seemed fine. What could have happened between then and now? At around 12.50 p.m., the property manager headed to Shanta and Brandy's 2nd Avenue basement apartment. When the property manager entered the apartment, there was no unseeing what he saw. Horrified by his discovery, he immediately called the police. And when police chief, James Tedesco, arrived at the scene, he described it as the worst crime he had ever seen in 43 years. When law enforcement arrived at the scene, they found Shanta, Brandy, Jeremiah, and Shanice bound with their throats cut. After the autopsy results, local law enforcement was able to determine when the family was murdered. It turns out that all four were killed in the evening of December 21st, five days before their bodies were found, on December 26th. After a preliminary investigation of the crime scene, detectives began to suspect that these murders were not a random attack, but they were targeted. While investigating, they also learned that Shanta's oldest child, Isaiah Smith, who wasn't at home the time of the murders because he was at a retreat, could possibly be in danger. They immediately began to worry for his safety because if these attacks aren't random, if they are targeted like they believe, Isaiah may be next. But after contacting Isaiah, ensuring his safety, and giving him the horrible and incomprehensible news about his family, they must switch their focus to possible suspects. Who could have wanted to kill an entire family? They asked Brandy's family and Shanta's family, but everyone insisted that they had no knowledge of who would want to harm their loved ones. On December 29, 2017, the police arrested and charged two men that they believed were responsible for their murders. Investigators arrested a 38-year-old man named James White and a 24-year-old man named Justin Mann. Although the investigators were unsure of what their motives were, they discovered that one of the men was acquainted with one of the victims. From my research, it turns out that Justin Mann knew Brandy Mells. In fact, they were friends. 
according to Shanta Meyer's nephew, quote, some of my family members recognize him as Brandy's friend. He supposedly always hung out with her, end quote. By Saturday, both men were arraigned on one count of first-degree murder and four counts of second-degree murder. They both pleaded not guilty. The police never revealed to the public how they caught the suspects. In fact, a family member of one of the victims even said that they had never heard of these men and they knew of no reason why their family members would be targeted in such an attack. But what is known is that these two men who were suspected of killing this family had a criminal history. At the time of their arrest, Justin Mann was out on parole. In 2014, he was convicted of robbery and sentenced to five years in prison. And James White, who was originally from Manhattan, had a 2011 manslaughter conviction in the Bronx for the fatal stabbing of a Bronx man. Apparently, he moved to the Albany area in 2015 and was homeless for a while. But in December 2017, he was living in Schenectady. He said he and Justin Mann became friends the previous September after they met at a library there. The trials of James White and Justin Mann didn't begin until March 2020. Before opening statements began, James White requested that he represent himself in the trial. However, his request was denied by the judge, and Justin Mann, before trial, already accepted a plea deal, a deal in which he agreed to testify against James White in trial in exchange for 25 years to life. So in court, during opening statements, Assistant District Attorney Cheryl McDermott explained to the jury the events that happened on December 21, 2017, the night Brandy, Shanta, and her children were brutally murdered. James White and Justin Mann took a bus from Schenectady to Troy. Then, they rode bikes to 158 2nd Avenue in Lansingburg, where they broke in, then tied up and stabbed each family member to death, one by one. McDermott also told the jury that, during the investigation, police uncovered some physical evidence and more than an hour of surveillance footage that proves Justin Mann and James White killed the family. In the surveillance footage, which was taken from the bus and a neighboring home, the two men could be seen heading in the direction of the victim's home. In this video, James White is carrying a large white bag while Justin Mann is carrying a black bag and backpack. And the physical evidence that investigators uncover is very incriminating. Apparently, during the murders, James White was wearing winter gloves and an oven mitt when he used a kitchen knife to stab Brandy, Shanta, and her children. So when police went to arrest White, they found these gloves and tested them, and the results were chilling. These gloves were found to have trace amounts of the victim's blood on it. When it came time for the defense to present their opening statement, White's defense attorney took an interesting approach. He acknowledged that James White was public enemy number one, and that despite the physical evidence placing White at the crime scene, the jury should be totally confident that James White was indeed the killer before convicting him. White's defense attorney suggested that there were other possible suspects that could have wanted to kill Brandy, her partner, and her partner's children. Defense attorney Kurt Haas told the jury that Brandy Mills was known to deal drugs and rip people off. And some of these people she ripped off were often gang members, he said that during the investigation, about 250 different leads were developed, but instead of being thorough, he claimed that the Troy police found the first story that fit the narrative and stuck with it, never pursuing any of these other leads. Despite what this defense attorney claimed, I still have one question. 
How do you explain the blood of the victims found on the winter gloves located in James White's home? And the surveillance footage of the two men walking towards the victim's home? During the trial, the prosecution placed Justin Mann on the stand. And what he had to say was interesting because he painted James White as the mastermind behind the killings. In court, Mann stated that he and White took the bus from Schenectady to Troy. He also alleged that James White was the one to stab all four of the family members. On the stand, Justin Mann also admitted to stealing an Xbox system and a flat screen TV during the attack. And what Justin Mann described next is terrifying. He compared James White's behavior to that of Michael Myers from the Halloween horror films. He also said that White was the mastermind behind the murders and that White told him that they were going to kill people before getting on that bus to Troy. Mann alleged that James White ordered him to tie up all four victims before White stabbed them all. He also testified that James White told Shanta's daughter, Shanice, just before he took her life, quote, This is like a needle. It's not going to hurt, end quote. Before leaving the stand, Mann also said that White first slid the weapons through a pillow to minimize the splatter of the blood. There's so much to unpack with this testimony. One, it's hard to believe the word of two criminals. Both of them could be lying about what exactly happened that night to save themselves from harsher sentences. However, I'm more likely to believe that Justin Mann, who only has a record of robbery, was not the person to kill Brandy Shanta and her children. After all, James White is the one with the manslaughter conviction. The fact that White told Justin Mann that he intended to kill people, as if he's talking about a hobby, is incredibly telling. Two, the fact that White and Mann came prepared and specifically took a bus to Troy makes it seem like White and Mann wanted to target them specifically. Not to mention, the manner of death, cutting someone's throat, it seems so very personal. And three, clearly Justin Mann and Brandy Mills were not good enough friends because why would Justin send this killer to her home? Let's argue that Justin only planned on robbing her, even though that's still messed up. He still knew that James White wanted to kill people that night. Why would he direct the killer to his so-called friend? In my opinion, this testimony reveals just as much about Justin Mann as it does about James White. What I find interesting, but not in the least bit surprising, is that according to News 10 for Troy, New York, James White admitted on the stand that he had been at the scene of the crime at a home in Lansingburg, but he says he never went inside. He claimed that Justin Mann was the only one to enter the home, but again, this directly conflicts with the physical evidence, the blood on his white glove found in his own home. Unless he wanted to use the classic excuse, I was holding it for a friend. On March 23, 2020, the prosecution rested and the jury was sent away to deliberate. James White faced life in prison with a possibility of parole if the jury convicted him of the first-degree charge. During deliberations on the Wednesday morning of April 1, 2020, a mistrial was declared. The district attorney's office was notified two days before the mistrial that a juror was sick. Initially, the courts presumed that the proceedings would continue despite the pandemic. However, the fact that a juror became sick required deliberations to halt and safety measures to be taken. In September 2020, James White appeared before a judge and requested yet again to represent himself. So it appears that the new trial should be happening sometime soon. And White said he wanted to represent himself because his request for discovery in the case had been continually impaired from the beginning and hurt his defense going forward. 
Despite the judge warning him of the low success rates for self-represented defendants, he maintained that he wanted to represent himself. And honestly, I don't care if he represents himself or not. If he wants to make the foolish and arrogant decision to decline counsel, that's his business. I just want justice to be served. Brandy, Shanta, Jeremiah, and Shanice did nothing to deserve murder. And unfortunately, they were victims of two sick individuals who wanted to fulfill their own selfish and depraved desires. In December 2017, within one week, four black lesbian women were murdered. And Shanta Myers and Brandy Mills were two of these women. It is clear that violence against the LGBTQ community is a real and devastating problem. And the numbers of killings involving lesbian victims is most likely skewed for many reasons. One of them being that police often fail to properly identify the nature of a relationship between two female victims when their bodies are found. Yaka Bible, who worked 11 years with the Anti-Violence Project, said, It is difficult to track the total number of killings involving lesbian victims. She says, quote, It's challenging. Police often mischaracterize lesbians as friends or roommates, and in those incidences, their identities are obscured. LGBTQ communities are therefore not getting the whole picture of violence against our communities, end quote. Those mistakes not only skew the numbers, but cause additional heartache. Yaka Bible says, quote, It's really painful to their friends and loved ones. In a moment where they should be mourning, they're angry about the misrepresentation. It doesn't give them the ability to mourn them for who they are, end quote. And this is an issue that the police and media are perpetuating. If the police misrepresent from the very beginning, then the media will follow suit when reporting details about a case. Thankfully, the police got it right this time. But there are many police departments that don't get it right. And because of that, violence against lesbian women lives under the radar. The motive behind Brandy, Shanta, Shanice, and Jeremiah's death has still not been made clear. But I doubt the motive would make the burden of their murders any lighter for Brandy and Shanta's families. Two young children's lives were taken away too soon. And just like so many other cases, two vibrant women were killed by men, one of them being a man they probably trusted. Now, Isaiah Smith, Shanta's eldest child, must learn to live life without his mother and his siblings. Brandy's first cousin had this to say when her cousin's killers were finally arrested. Quote, I'm going to keep the killers in my prayers as well. I'm not going to be wishing death on them or anything. Death is too easy for them. I want them to know the pain and suffering they have caused on Brandy and Shanta's families. End quote. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of The Lost Crimes Library, you can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Remember, sharing is caring, so make sure to share this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes. This episode was written and hosted by Nisa Henderson. It was produced by Channing Tab and Nisa Henderson. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.